This is Archive Atlanta, episode 219, New Deal in Atlanta. You're listening to Archive Atlanta, a history podcast where each week I'll be sharing a story about the people, places, and events that shape the history of the city of Atlanta. I'm your host, local tour guide, and total history nerd, Victoria Lemos. Hey everyone, happy Friday. So this week's mini episode is all about the New Deal, specifically how this national history impacted Atlanta, what was built here with these federal funds and programs, um, who did it employ, and then what legacies can we still see around today? Before we get into Atlanta, let's cover some basic history of the New Deal. The Great Depression officially began with a stock market crash of 1929. A combination of oversupply and overproduction, low demand, high unemployment, um, federal missteps, a constrained federal response, all of that contributes to the entire decade of the 1930s being known as the Great Depression. Franklin Delano Roosevelt was elected president of the United States in 1932, and during his acceptance speech for the Democratic nomination, he mentions the promise of a quote-unquote New Deal for the quote-unquote forgotten man. The New Deal generally embraced the concept of a government-regulated economy, and the idea was immediate economic relief, as well as reforms in industry, agriculture, finance, water power, labor, and housing. There are many organizations, and especially acronyms, within New Deal history, so today I'm going to focus on mostly the Works Progress Administration, but I do want to explain and mention a few others. So the Federal Emergency Relief Administration, or FIRA, was established by FDR in 1933. It was built upon a previous Hoover Administration Act, and it was replaced in 1935 by the Works Progress Administration. The WPA was a program for unemployed Americans that created 8.5 million jobs. Its construction projects, which were under the Public Works Administration, or the PWA, produced more than 650,000 miles of roads, 125,000 buildings, 75,000 bridges, and 8,000 parks. There was also the Federal Art Project, Federal Writers Project, Federal Theater Project, could go on and on and on. The Depression hit Georgia and Atlanta very hard. In 1933, a local social worker estimated that the city's unemployment rates were up to 30%, and in black neighborhoods, that could go up to 75%. And this may be the best time to state the obvious, which is that the New Deal programs fell short for black Americans, especially in the South. The federal government divided the nation into four regions to establish WPA pay rates, and in the southeastern region, which included Atlanta, they received the lowest monthly stipends. WPA wages for Atlanta's unskilled workers were the lowest in the nation. The Atlanta Chamber of Commerce and the Committee on Interracial Cooperation established this wage differential based upon race, and the Atlanta Daily World actually ended up calling the NRA, which was the National Recovery Act, the Negro Removal Act. Despite federal guidelines barring racial discrimination in the WPA, there were again local agents who openly paid black workers less than they paid whites. In 1935, Atlanta's average monthly relief award to white people was $32.66, and to black Atlantans, it was $19.29. Atlanta was led by Mayor James L. Key from the start of the Depression through 1936, and that's when William B. Hartsfield uh, gets elected, and then he serves through 1940. When Hartsfield became mayor in 1937, the city stood at over $3 million in debt, and to avoid bankruptcy, 
he actually secured an $800,000 loan. It really became a gift from Robert Woodruff, who was president of Coca-Cola. Now, Atlanta wholeheartedly embraced the New Deal, and so they became one of the 23 American cities where these funds were really concentrated. By 1935, almost 4,000 Georgians were employed by the FERA, and then when the national announcement came about the formation of the WPA, most hoped that they would make that switch over. By July of 1935, Atlanta estimated that 15,000 people would be put to work by August. The state of Georgia at that point had 71,000 people without jobs, and there was about $10 million earmarked for it. So of all divided by counties, in Atlanta, the plan was some of that to go to the airport, the Carnegie Library additions, uh, lots went going to Georgia Tech, um, Grady Hospital, and others that we're going to talk about shortly. So one of the first things that Atlanta gets as part of the New Deal is the first two public housing projects in the United States. I did an entire episode 64 about them, but I will recap the main points here. The WPA oversaw and provided funds for slum clearance and public housing construction. And so in 1933, both Techwood Homes and University Homes were submitted for approval to the WPA, and they later were approved to share $4 million in financing. Techwood Homes, being for white residents, gets about $2.3 million for 600 apartments, and University Homes, which was for black residents, gets just over a $1 million for 640 apartments. Now, again, I talk about this in the episode, John Hope um, from Atlanta University, he angrily goes to Washington, D.C. and actually fights for more money for University Homes. Construction for University began in September of 1934. They finished three years later. Um, Those buildings were two-story brick, international style, and they had a library, nursery school, medical, dental facilities, laundry, and a park. It remained open until about 2006, and then it was demolished in 2009. Techwood Homes opened in 1936. It was Georgian style. There were two- and three-story brick buildings. They also had six stores on site. Um, They had a health clinic, recreational facilities, and it remained an all-white housing project until about 1968. A couple years later, demographics are about 50% black, and then it's demolished really in preparation for the 1996 Olympics. There is like a very small section of the original building still left. The city's sewer system was one of the biggest benefactors of New Deal infrastructure funding. Um, Atlanta initially applied for PWA funding in 1933, but what they would do with a lot of these fundings, like I've talked about before um, in the philanthropic history, is that they were going to give you some money, but the city had to put in some kind of bond or some kind of other funds. So so the sewer idea took a couple years. I think it took about a year to get off the ground. They began work on the new sewer lines in 1934, and I think it was finally finished in 1937. And this was a big deal. It employed about five to 6,000 men in Atlanta um, and updated a very aging sewer system. Another major PWA project undertaken in the city was a new police station. A lot of drama in securing this federal loan as well. Um, The city did need to cover a portion of the cost. It's completed sometime in 1935. And then also in 1935, there are renovations, additions, and new buildings for several, several Atlanta schools. They included Grady High, Russell High, North Fulton, Booker T. Washington, and David T. Howard just to name a few. Um, most of these improvements were not completed about until about 1937 or 1938. 
In total, the initial announcements from the New Deal were that 43 projects were going to take place in the state of Georgia. They were going to employ a lot of white collar workers, people like lab techs, clerical workers, bookkeepers. And you have to keep in mind that all of these are actually employed by state agencies. So you couldn't really exactly tell a private business to hire people, but the state was employing people. Atlanta City Hall got a new parking lot via the WPA, which which was completed in 1936. Um, lots of parks in Atlanta also benefited around 1936. So they did improvements in Grant Park and Piedmont Park, and they actually developed Adams Park. So today, Charles Adams Park is about 32 acres surrounded by Cascade Heights, but in the early 1930s, it was just a dream. And so a large influx of New Deal funds made this a reality. They installed a swimming pool, bathhouse, tennis courts, storm sewers, golf course, um, I think a clubhouse as well. And then the park was formally dedicated in 1940. So while the park definitely still exists, the clubhouse um, is, if it has not been demolished already, it is soon to be demolished. There were also significant improvements to the Atlanta airport, like I said earlier. Um, The Federal Theater Project actually came to Atlanta. They were really impressed in Atlanta. Um, That was 1936. They worked together with the Atlanta Theater Guild to establish a civic theater. Um, And then the two people here that really ran that were a sculptor named Julian Harris and a woman named Paula Cossie. Their first play was called The Drunkard, and the music for the play was provided by the WPA Symphony Orchestra. Speaking of the arts, there was a lot of local artists that were commissioned for work, therefore kept afloat by the WPA. Antoinette Farnsworth-Drew, who I talked about in episode 190, she was commissioned to create a mural at Grady Hospital. She also did one for the Carnegie Library and the Juvenile Court Building. The College Park Post Office mural was painted by New York City artist Jack McMillan. Uh, The Decatur Post Office mural was called Dogwood and Azaleas. It was done by Paul Rowland in 1940, and it was actually moved to the Richard B. Russell Federal Building downtown, and not positive, but it might still be there today. The original Atlanta Municipal Auditorium was thoroughly renovated with WPA assistance in 1938, and it was given a new facade in 1943. Today, it is Georgia State's Dahlberg Hall. Georgia Tech had the most New Deal projects I had seen. So there was contributions from all the agencies too, the Civil Works Administration, um, the WPA, the PWA, and they included, this is not an exhaustive list, were additions to Britain Dining Hall, the Ceramics Building, Daniel Laboratory, the Drawing Building, um, two residence halls, the Chemistry Building, and the now-demolished Heisman Gym and the Naval Armory. Grady Hospital also had a lot of improvements and some smaller ones. So they actually added a cafeteria for black nurses that was, of course, in the basement. And they added a tunnel under the street to connect the black and white sections of Grady Hospital, which was essentially two different hospitals. I covered Grady in episode way back, episode 26, if you want to know more about it. So there you have it, the short story of Atlanta's New Deal history, how and where the federal funding impacted the city, and what we might still see today. So thank you everyone for listening. Remember to leave a rating and or a review wherever you listen to the podcast. I hope everyone has a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.